This is Comic Picks by the Glick. And I'm your host, Jason Glick. Good evening, Jason Glick. How the hell are you? I'm doing just fine, John. And yourself? Not half bad. Uh, what do you have in store for us tonight, sir? All right, I'm clearing out the backlog with something that I've been meaning to write up for a couple weeks now, but just haven't gotten around to it. And um, I decided to do it because I wanted to talk talk about these two titles in in context with each other. Because even though they're um, they're post years apart, they're united by one thing. They're both written by or co-written by um, Dark Horse publisher Mike Richardson. Now, one now one can't really um, like now Richardson has. And co-founding um, Dark Horse with um, Randy Stradley, um, Richardson has um, has a huge host of comics and films that and that um, he would be pr- that anyone would be proud to have. To say that they uh, they they were they were the publisher of the of these things. I mean, from his from basically um, from literally elevating the uh, like the craft of um, like contributing licensed comics. Um, from with his with all the Star Wars comics and Aliens comics, Indiana Jones. All the licensed stuff. I mean, that's that's br- that's that's fast. That's awesome in itself. But he's also been a huge champion of creator-owned comics as well. From like from publishing the works of um, a Frank a Frank Miller in Sin City and Three Hundred to Mike to Mike Mignola in um in Hellboy BPRD and all sorts of, all sorts of other great great stuff over the years. But um, the thing is, um, every so often, um, Richardson, you know. It looks like he likes to exercise his um, his um, position as as publisher of Dark Horse, in the sense that you know, hey, it's like you know, if he's got a if he's got a company that can publish comics, then why not just use them to publish his own as well? And he's been doing that over the, over the years with various projects, and I've I've encountered a couple of them over the years. Um, there's one in particular that caused me to be optimistic about a lot of about a lot of them called um called Cravan, Mystery Man of the Twentieth Century. And I'm coming back to this in a little bit, but but it was a fun little fun little so crazy must be true story about this um about this one about this one guy who led a very interesting life. Now for years I kinda held told up this story as kinda like, hey, you know, it's like if this is the kind of story that Richardson wants to publish as set um as um like um as one of Dark Horse's as Dark Horse's publisher, then you know he can't be all that bad. Then you, but over the years, like you know, like um, he's also co-wrote, he's also co-wrote, co-wrote the uh, first two volumes of Star Wars: Crimson Empire with um, Dark Horse's other co-founder, um, Randy Stradley. Now, um, I, now I reviewed um, now volume three of Crimson Empire came out last year, and I read it, wrote a review of it, which I basically said that it was fucking dire. I mean. God, it was just a, um, it was, it was just a, um, mish, it was just like a badly strung together mishmash of Star, a fan, like a fan of um, Star Wars fan service elements that um, barely that barely functioned as as a story. It, it was awful and easily one of the worst things I I read read last year. And it's also notable for the fact that you know Richardson wrote it by himself and um, without um, Stradley's involvement. Stradley, however, has since gone on to um, write uh, the remaining volumes of Star Wars um, Dark Times. Volumes 5 and 6 um, have actually turned out, um, you know, not great, but certainly decent. Um, it's solidifying the fact that, you know, he was the, uh, he's clearly the brains of, um, of the operation, of the, of, um, of the operation right there. Then, but then, um, Richardson has also, 
also put out another work um, um, last year that has since been collected in trade paperback. It's called 47 Ronin, which, no, it's not the adaptation of the Keanu Reeves film that came out last year. Thank fucking God. Um, no, it's an actual adaptation of the uh, legend. Um, uh, or not that legend, but the... Uh, the the uh, well, the, the historical story of the forty-seven Ronin who went and um, who went and avenged the death the death of their, their lord. It's like it's like in 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 feudal Japan. Now, I was like, looking forward to this, you know, not only because I figured, okay, you know, he's working on something that you know isn't um, you know li- licensed property. It's something that he clearly feels um, passionate about, but also the fact that this is the series was illustrated by Stan Sakai of um, Usagi Yojimbo fame. And this is going to be one of the, um, not only not one of the handful of times that Sky has worked on a story that he didn't write, but um, also one of the, probably one of the few, few times he's also um, drawn human characters for an entire story um, as, opposed to, um, as opposed to animals, as, like, like it is with Usagi. Now, now 47 Ronin, story of um, Lord, Lord Asano, who, um, it's like, who, um, in, in the old, um, it, this the series is like very, um, it's like it's it's very steeped in Jap- Japanese cult culture. Let's see, cu- culture and um, formal formalism, and and they um, and and to to Richardson's credit, um, they do actually do does actually do a good job of like writing foot, footnotes and explaining um, the cultural like some of the cultural um, obligations and significance of certain things. It's like in the course of the story itself. Now, as back in feudal Japan. Every like every every year, it's like um, like the uh, like the lords of each of each region had to um either go 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 spend some time with the shogun themselves or send some of their family members in order to just as kind of like a um, working hostage arrangement in order to show their field fealty to the shogun. Now, Lord Asano has chosen to go to go this year, and um he's kind of like a, and he's that was, he's kind of like a, a rural he's kind of like a rural lord who's not um. Not especially um, you know, well versed in the, uh, like in the cult in in the practices and um, formalities of the, of the court. But hey, he's got he's apparently um says he he's got a uh, an advisor um, at the court who is able to um who's apparently um assigned to instruct him um Lord, um let's say Kira. Now problem is um Kira um is all well, he's well, apparently he does instruct um. Asano in in the ways of the ways of the court, um, he's also kind of like you know, kind of guy who just says, "Okay, yeah, I've done this for you. Now you're going to pay me, or you're going to show you're going to show me a gift of your gratitude as well." And of course, of course, now while he well, well, Kira basically um, like believes that this is like entitled to like show of gold or, or cold hard cash. Um, Asano basically takes the man at face value and says, "Yeah, okay. Here's here's some here's a bunch of rice paper for you," and um, Kira is outraged by this, and then um, essentially um, spends the rest of his time just like annoying and belittling and um, tricking Asano into just like making a fool of himself in, in court, up until the point where he goes where Asano just can't take it anymore and assaults Kira um, in in the front of the in front of everyone in the shogun's chambers. Now this is a major no-no in the uh like in the course of the it's like it's like in terms of, like in terms of um, um Japanese etiquette and um as a result um Asano was forced to commit um seppuku um, ritual suicide it's like for his for his offense. 
Now, word gets back to his um his vassals and retainers, and um rather than just you know, um sh- instead of showing their dedication by um fighting off the uh, like the shogun's um, troops when they come, they um they let's see they decide to uh, like they make a plan, and this plan is led by um see by Asano's um, um main retainer Oishi um, to basically to retreat. It's like to retreat for the time being and live normal so they can live normal lives, biding their time for the point to the point where they can it's like where they can um, get their revenge on Kira. Now, I will say the story itself is inherently as in- interesting and all in in the sense that it's that uh, that on one level it's supposed it's supposed to be true, and also for the fact that you know it's it's, it's a cornerstone of Jap- Japanese Japanese history and culture. It's like the fact that you know these that the uh, that Asano's retainers basically sacrificed everything in order to uh, like avenge their lord and preserve and preserve his honor after his death. Basically, show, goes to show you just how how how, how dedicated Japanese are to their like it's like it's like to to their it's like to their to their um, retainers retainers and leaders and also the concept of on like of honor and honor itself. And this is also something that's popped up in the Sagi Ojimbo um, from time from time to time in the sense that, you know, hey, that while these retainers had it easy, sometimes it's like the hard the biggest show of honor is just, you know is um proving yourself um to be a loyal it's like loyal and worthy retainer to someone who to a to a leader who is not um like on, honorable himself. Now that's not a problem with Asano, because I mean he's like he's pretty like you know straight arrow like um as 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 himself, but the story. But if the but if they have any issues with the story, I mean it's it's very black and white in terms of, of its mortality of its morality, and that um Kira is is um basically um portrayed as a if Kira had a mustache he'd be twirling that shit nonstop. I swear it's like he's it's like he he's devious he's cunning and he's just like a like an evil like an he's he's an evil evil an evil little shit that's all i can say and um but uh, all but Asano, it's like you know he's just like a victim victim of circumstance and his and his retainers like you know they're just like you know, like honorable guys who are just gonna like you know put um by put honor above everything else including their marriages their kid, their children it's like and and everything like and of course, the story you know, plays out about pretty much as as you'd expect, and um, but even then, like there are some, I, there are still some like weird um lo- like logic logic gaps. That I feel that um, it could have been could have been smoothed over in the sense that you know, hey, it's like you know, I mean, I realize that Rich, there's several versions of the legend going around, but you know, Richardson and if Richardson was just you know just being like you know the white guy adapting this stuff, he could have actually taken a bit. Little bit of um, liberties and making sure that some of this stuff smooths over, smooths over a bit. Kind of like at one point when um, when Kira is making his, is Kira is deriding Asano for like for providing so senior dumb tatami, tatami mats after um, being given only a night to prepare them. Um, one of um, Asano's um, fellow lords um, prepares to draw his sword and like to avenge this insult, and um, Asano just um, see. I, I tells the guy, okay, you know, don't do this. This is like, like I'll, I'm just gonna leave right now. And then as he leaves, um, Kira just goes, oh, yes, there he goes, like the stupid country farmer he is. And this causes Asano to just lose his shit and um, strike strike Kira with his with the sword. Now, it, 
that just makes no goddamn sense. I mean, yeah, even if this is how a lot of the legends go, I mean, you should be beholden to that to that kind of thing. I mean, if anything, it would have been a much smarter thing um, to just have um, have Asano's uh, fellow lords, you know, try to um, calm Asano down from this thing. I mean, yes, we're told in retrospect that Asano has a temper, but this is kind of like you know, just like you know, just putting a, a bandaid on on the narrative. It just this kind of thing, just you know, just doesn't doesn't flow smoothly. Doesn't doesn't flow smoothly, and a lot of this, and um, for the rest of this. For the rest of the story, I mean, there's lots of um, fairly straightforward and even hackneyed scenes. Just when um, Oishi um, petitions, um, like Asano's wife, to uh, it's like to um, like so he to, bur- to burn incense at at his grave as a show of respect before he goes off, um, before he goes off to res- to um, kill Kira. Now this is at, this is um, he's not telling her that he's going to kill the guy, but she but she um, basically has believed his cover story of. Abandoning all all honor, and just says, "Oh no, you're not going to do this." And then you're like, "Cause you've just like been a dick all this time, just like whoring and drinking around." But then he leaves. He's apparently left a book to uh, show you that oh, he has been honorable, and he and he is going to go and avenge his death. And she's like, "Oh no!" And I denied him in the right to, to burn incense. It's silly, silly stuff like that. I mean, like I said, the story itself is inherently interesting but i feel there's a lot of stuff in here that you know just just, just um feel it's like it's that's dramatic that's really melodramatic if if not outright broken um and that's you know that, that's on um richardson as the main, as the writer of this series as well as um kazuo kuike um legendary writer of such such series as lone wolf and cub and crying freeman who's credited as an editorial consultant on on here now, it's now Richardson calls um Koike uh, like a dear friend, like in this like in the story, like in the supplemental materials. And, you know that's that's cool. And all they've they've been able to establish this um relationship that you know, transcends the uh, the obligations of work. But at the same time, you kind of wish that you know. But also, um, kind of wonder about you know if the language barrier may have um may have prevented um Koike from taking a more stern editorial hand with see with some of this stuff or rather for the fact that let me see here oh yeah one well no i'm not gonna not gonna call her out for this that'd be kind of a dick move i guess but um but also the series but the series does look nice um courtesy of of um of sakai i mean this i mean even though it's like he's spent most of his career drawing um it's like drawing animal interpretations of japanese culture um this shows that he, he that he is, that he is a superb um, draftsman. Whether like um, regard, regardless of what kind of characters he's he's drawing, I mean the he he nails the look of he nails the look of feudal Japan as you'd expect he, as you'd expect he would. It's like and the characters themselves are also are also expressive with the, the storytelling flowing flowing um really it's like really well from from beginning to end. It's really impressive just you know take in his his meticulous line work throughout the course of the series. It's like and it's like and you know even though I'm looking forward to seeing him get back to Asagi at some like in in the near future. It's like I I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing him do other it's like you know other work in this vein as well. Though to be honest, like I mean Asagi is his life life's work, and uh, if he if he's going to keep doing Asagi until he dies, I have no problem with that. But you know it's like I was overall this was. 
disappointing in the sense that, you know, I had held up, I was expecting that, you know, this to be, be something that, you know, hey, if this is something Richardson felt passionately about, then surely he'd be able to, like, you know, pull off something on the level of Cravan. Now, Cravan, like, for years I had thought that, you know, hey, this is something that, you know, shows you what Richardson is capable of as a writer, and that it's a, it's a fun, weird, um, only the good parts version of this man's life. And um, I was, and I was going to reread this, and I went and reread this as, um, like, in preparation for it, and then I noticed something interesting. Um, it wasn't written entirely by Richardson. It's actually um, co-written by him, along with artist Rick Geary. Now, Geary's got a, um, like, a fun, car- like, um, cartoonish style that I've always appreciated since, especially since I've uh, first discovered his work um, back in the uh, Classics Illustrated comics published by First um, back back in the late late nineties, where he did um, memorable interpretations of Great Expectations and The Invisible Man. Now, Cravan is a, is a story of one Arthur Cravan, um, born Fabian Lloyd, who um, who were first introduced as a kind of guy who was just sold like fun contraband stuff at his. See at his um Swiss um boarding boarding school like from porn cigarettes, um cigar cigars I mean um to alcohol and also um like papers on like things like Plato's Republic. That was a big guy who was able to uh, you know like beat up a professor who's um taking a cane to a student, and he's um kicked out of the he's kicked out of the uh, the, the boarding school, but not after being told by his um like by by the head it's by the head there that he's um one of the most entertaining students he's ever, he's ever had. We, and we also learned that he's not only just like a disappointment to his, his, his parents for his um, eccentricities, but he's also the nephew of, of one Oscar Wilde as well. But then, but then um, from there, the story goes on, basically gives you like the good parts version of his life. We get like, you know, like stories like one to two pages, finding about how he got a job as the Kaiser's um, chauffeur in Germany and um, how he crashed the car and um, stealing from let's see, stealing from prostitutes in order to pay, pay, robbing one to pay the other. And then, oh, it's like you know, jumping on a uh, on a on a steamship in order to sail to sail to Australia, and I'm finding out that he's that um, he's being booked as a fireman. Hey, that's great. You know, he's just here to put out fires. Oh no, wait, that's not what a fireman does on a like on, a, on one of these ships. He actually like shovels coal. Like throughout the the entire time, he deserts. Um, a couple of years later, winds up in Paris, becomes a boxer. Um, then also, um, like winds up, winds up um, years later forming, um, back in see back in Paris. No, sorry, still in Paris. Um, forming a uh, let's see, forming a group to um put out a controversial um art art journal named Maintenant, um that basically pisses off everyone with its scathing critiques of. Of, of modern art, it's like, and let's see, and also just like earning him no end of, of enemies and even some some friends as well. I mean, the story there's not really a narrative here; it's just like a recounting of like the the create like the really crazy and weird stuff that that Cravan got got up to over the like over the course of his life up to his disappearance in um, 1931, and um and it's also theorized here that apparently he may have been the author. Um, B. Travern, who wrote, um, see, two books that are mentioned here: Death Ship, which is, a, which is about a man um, who served on a uh, steamship, the way, like, in the way that Cravan did back in the day, and um, 
also, I'm the treasure of the Sierra Madre, which I'm sure everyone here, or a lot of people should be familiar with. Now, not, not, not for the book version, but for the um, film version with um, Humphrey Bogart and, Walt, and Walter Houston um, back, in the, see, back in the 1940s. Now, now um, Kravan, like, you know, like I said, it's not, it's not really like a real story per se. It's just more like a, a ramshackle, um, like a, a ramshackle tale of lots of interesting stories in one guy's life. But don't make no mistake, these stories are interesting. It's like, and I, it's like I was, it's one of those things that you know you never heard, never heard too much about. But it's like you know I picked it up on a whim one one time, and um, it's like and I was pleasantly surprised by this. I've always had kind of a soft spot just just for here, just for the stories. You, that tells about all the about this guy's life. Now, okay, and apparently the uh, <laughs> apparently the story, the uh, the book is apparently um, out of print according to Amazon, but you can um, buy it um, dirt cheap, um, new and used apparently through their see through their other sellers. So overall, it's like it's a it's a fun story, and um, you know it's like it makes me um, wish that you know hey it, that. Um, that Richardson and um, Geary had done more, or at least I kind of wish that um, you know maybe they have done more. Yeah, I just haven't researched this as well, which says I implies that I've researched this at all. Anyway, but still, Cravan, get your hands on it. It's like it's a like I said, it's a fun it's a fun story. Make that makes you look at this guy and go, hey, you know that's you know like this guy lived an interesting life. Someone should make a movie about him. End of story. Hey, you know maybe Richardson can get and um get a movie made out of it um through Dark Horses on um, film film division as well. We shall see. But it's been a while so I kinda doubt it. So John, it's like any particular thoughts here? No, I find it interesting that Stan Sakai has lent his artwork to this project. Yeah, it's like I'm I'm sure the uh, the Japanese setting um certainly like certainly captures captures interest as well as the the the, uh, the story itself, but as he mentions in the in, his, in an interview in the in the back of the book, um, this is like this is the longest story he's um, illustrated that he hasn't written himself. Mm, interesting, interesting. Yeah, um, you know, just given you know the whole nature of it, I mean, uh, Usagi Yojimbo and Forty Seven Ronin are like their heartbeat away from each other in terms of theme. Uh, you know, so interesting. Indeed, yeah. It's like I, I had to go and I had to go and check that. I don't think that um, Sky is actually. I'm sure he's touched on the theme. He's touched on the themes of the of um, 47 Ronin a lot in um, Usagi, but I don't think he's ever actually done a uh, a straight up adaptation of it in the course in the course of his of his run on the series. Mm, interesting, interesting. Well, do you know what you're going to talk about next time? Yes, um, because thanks to my uh, trip to WonderCon um, like a little over a week ago, I finally got my hands, well, a week and a half ago, actually, um, I finally got my hands on David Lapham's Stray Bullets Udwer Alice edition. So, so as soon as I, uh, so I'm going uh, to spend the next week or so reading through that, and then you can expect my thought, thoughts of it in, like, in that time right there. All right. Well, I uh, guess that uh, we'll catch you next time on Comic Picks by the Glick, and uh, we'll see you in a, in a couple of weeks. That's right. Later, right. everyone. Bye.